Who are the ones that we don't know about at the minute? Or, 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 oh. oh my god! I don't know them. Oh my god! Please. This would be I'm awful if I use this as the like cold open of like <laughs> put it at the beginning of the podcast and then the theme song's playing underneath. That would be dreadful, wouldn't it? I don't know the answer to this question. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to My Kind of Weird. I'm Richard Minkley, and in this podcast I'm gonna interview some of the fascinating creative people from around Nottingham. Now, you may recognise today's guest, towering over Shakespeare Street, just near the NTU Student Union. She's on a massive poster with her camera near a swimming pool. I mean, what she's doing, well, your guess is as good as mine, but it's Georgie Scurfield, internationally award-winning filmmaker with the folks at Left Lion and also NTU graduate. Yeah, that's why she's on the poster. I'm really excited about this one because Georgie really comes to life when we start speaking about what it's like to be a creative. Not not as an individual, but when you're actually there being creative. I loved it and I hope you do too. But before all that, as is my want, I asked her what she'd been up to this week. I'm currently uh, renovating a house with my other half, so I've been getting home, filling some walls, stripping some wallpaper, plasterboarding and stuff. Oh my God, you, you must be so busy right now. <laughs> I know, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Wait, um, renovating a house, how big is the house? Like how it's big? It's only a two, two bedroomed terrace, two story. Because I, I am both an idiot and have you know no idea what I'm doing, but I, what, like, how much work goes into doing a house up? Too much, more than I ever knew. <laughs> More than I knew um, when I got started with it, but um, it's th this house really needs strip needed stripping completely back and everything doing again. But Tom is a builder, so he knows this oh, stuff good. and he was prepared for it. Whereas I was like, oh yeah, it'll be so romantic. We can live in a building site with fairy lights and plants, and it'll look great. But no, it's like there's dust everywhere. There's like yeah, there's... Uh, it's not dust. It's romantic part. You know, in, when there's like in in, in in TV when there's like all those like soft things glowing in the camera and it makes it look really romantic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That it's is just the, the picture that I had in my head. Yeah, it's just got more coughing than the TV involved. <laughs> Yeah, it's not the reality. Mm. Oh, I've also been playing a lot of Mario Kart this week. Oh my god, on Mario Kart on the on the Wii. Oh, very I good. I really want the Switch, but I haven't got it yet. Um, no, the yet. I will. <laughs> there was for people at home. There was just the most serious, angry look you've ever seen on a woman's face. Like I will get it. Um, um, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of trying to gently bring you in because actually. This is quite a big interview, I think. Right. Because I, I feel there is a word that I think is floating around you at the moment, uh -huh. which is successful. <laughs> which is, ex yeah. So there's a, you can hear, I can hear you giggling over there. So the question I've got is all around that. But before we go into what you are successful, like why you are successful, let's talk about what it is you actually do. Because I think the biggest thing, obviously, you've done is um, the Lord of Milan, which we will get to. Mm -hmm. um, but that is just one of these adventures that you've been on as your role here at Left Lion. Because uh -huh. you're a, I don't know what to say, documentary maker, video, video yeah. journalist? What, what, what's the best word to describe you? I think filmmaker, probably. Yeah, filmmaker. Filmmaker does the job. Filmmaker does the job. Fair <laughs> enough. But you mainly do sort of... It's mainly kind of interviews, like, it's very, the, the line between documentary, journalist, 
like client stuff is very blurred I take it it is um and I think even more so in the past couple of months the um the client work that we've had here at extended has gone into more um interviewing and making documentaries about people um which has been different because in the past it's been documenting events and stuff like that so um, it's something that I'm really happy about because I really like the people and finding out about them. So is this a transition that you've seen happening? So did you start off here making promos for events and businesses or products and then it's slowly turning into more of a sort of person-focused thing? No, I, don't, I just think it's the clients that we've got at the minute so um, who want this sort of work. Um, and it's probably not something that will carry on, although I'd like it to because it is the sort of thing that interests me most. But um, but I also think at um, Extended Agency, they, uh, fo he, they focus on our strengths. So if there's someone who's particularly good at this thing, then that's what they'll obviously try and get the clients that um, match that those sorts of skill sets. So the, the work here is, the work I do at Left Line is divided into Extended and then the things that I can do for Left Line, which is more of a love affair it's things that i want to do it's oh, people what a, that I've... <laughs> what a great way to describe it a love yeah. affair it's it's uh, it's i've got the freedom to if i if there's somebody in nottingham who is doing some really cool things or that i'm uh just really think needs shouting about then i've got the opportunity to do it um so hang on a sec Let, so there's two things i want to dig into there yeah first of all you said you keep talking about extended now i am and i love to say this an idiot what is the difference between Left Line and Left Line Extended? So Left Line uh, produces the magazine um, and has the online thing which promotes all things cultural and amazing in Nottingham. And then there's the Extended Agency, um, which is a creative agency. We design websites, we do animation, videos um, for people who want to shout about their thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, there's the two things and I cross sort of cross over into a bit of both. So it sounds like extended is very interesting, but it's more work. Yeah. And the reason why we say work is because the other side, you described as a love affair. <laughs> now, I'm sure if Tom hears this, he'll be over <laughs> the moon to hear that you're having an affair with your, with literally the work. But what is, what, what do you mean? Why, why is it a love affair? Because I can just, I'm, I can just do things and speak to people and uh, make video about things that I love. Do you know what I mean? So it's some, somebody, somebody said to me once passing on a train that I got speaking to some person who was from Nottingham and she was just like, oh, I heard that there's an old guy who makes rope in Beeston. And it was like, oh, what? So then I was on a mission to find this old guy who makes rope in Beeston and sort of dug him out with a couple of contacts here at Left Lion and at Beestonian magazine and found him and made a, um, just sat down and interviewed him, to be honest. And it turned into like this really lovely 10 minute film um, about him and a little bit about his, his life and a bit about the history of his company. And, but yeah, I've got the freedom to do that. You see, this is one of the things I'm kind of fascinated about because you've got your video skills and you've also got the opportunity to go and use them to talk to uh, your man with his rope. But like, you get to see this amazing side of Nottingham, which is so, it, it is literally like panning for gold. Like, or, like, like your rope man, that sounds like a beautiful story, but obviously it must be so hard to find that. Cause if you were sitting in a different seat on a different bus, it would have floated by. So like, how would you describe that sort of hidden world of 
the people that you come into contact with. I guess it's not, I guess the thing is, is it's not that hidden, is it? There's always somebody who knows somebody in Nottingham. So there's always somebody who's got a story to tell. And I think that what stresses me out the most uh, what, um, is whenever I see somebody making amazing things about people in Nottingham, um, I'm always like, damn it, they got there before me. It's so <laughs> annoying, isn't it? When you see like you're trying to work on something and then someone else is like, yeah, I'm doing it as well. You're like, I hate you. I know, I know. But it is also good that they're all being celebrated. And, and that's the thing, isn't it? Is you... Um... Still hate them. Because <laughs> like, this is it. It's like the, the, their, their success is nothing to do with your failure. Yeah. But you still take it personally. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, you were saying it. like... Um, yeah, we were talking about the people that they are, and you were saying, like, um, you find these really interesting people sort of hidden around. I, I'm very interested in this, because obviously Left Lion is exposed to that creative side, which I feel gets neglected both, obviously not by Left Lion, like, mm. this is probably the worst place to talk about this, but <laughs> anywhere outside of this room, it's very yeah. easy for creative people, talented people, um, amazing people, to be just ignored and neglected well I, I think that it's because of the way the media works isn't it i mean everyone knows that bad news sells and you're going to read about the the stabbing that happened in heist and green over um, a musician that's doing really well and i guess that's where left line meets a need that um meets a need that isn't met anywhere else and that's how why it was set up in the first place was when especially when, like 15 years ago when it was getting loads of bad press. Like Nottingham as a city was getting really bad press. It was sort of to try and shout about the wonderful things that are happening. But I do just think it's because of what people want to read. Like people always moan about what's in the media. Oh, it's always bad news. But it's like you click on that clickbait. Everyone clicks on the bad news. I find myself doing it. So I, I think that it's that balance between what is, um, but who decides what the media agencies are going to. Mm. talk about so yeah they they aren't shouted about the wonderful people in Nottingham as much as pot as much as I think that they should but it's the way the world works isn't mm. it I mean well, pessimistic well, as but, it is but yeah do you feel that these these stories that you're mainly covering are celebrating people then yeah of course they are and that's and it's also it's celebrating them as individuals and um, the work that they're doing. And in doing that, it's celebrating Nottingham as a city and shouting about all the wonderful things it does. But there isn't, I mean, the, the stories that I do, I might do, say, a document, like maybe three shorts a year that I like to, to do. And obviously, I'm still quite relatively new to the team here. So it's not like I'm a veteran who's done all these wonderful things. But um, you're a new person like, who's done all these wonderful I'm, things. I'm a new person. <laughs> so say I make three shots a year, uh, like the, uh, the people who do most of the writing here are the people who are really getting into the... Um, really connected with um, this, the scene and the creative folk and the wonderful people in Nottingham, and they're the people who are writing a lot about them and really shouting about them online and on the socials. On socials. On the social medias. On Twitter and TweetDeck and all that. All that. Is that kind of something that you do just because Georgie is sort of unstoppable and she wants to do it? Or is that factored into the work here? No, it, that's just... Um, pro so this is only going off what I did last year because I've been here for all, uh, a year and a half. 
So last year I got the chance between extended work to make this amount. So, I mean, if it was me, that's all I'd be doing. Do you know what I mean? Um, so it is just what I've got, what I get time for in between. It, it must be an awkward thing when you're like, oh, I hope we don't get any paid work. I know. Then, then I get to go on an adventure. And I get to do all the fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I guess that's the good thing about working here where there is this uh, difference between... Uh, because when, the thing is, is when you do the client work, you, you're pushed to, do, to deliver and to do things that you wouldn't normally do. So they've got their certain style and you've got to fit that. So it, it, it does build the stuff for your own, on your own side of it as well. You, you're learning so many different things because you've got to to meet their needs. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So they do, they do go hand in hand. But... but yeah, I'm interested though. Like the amazing rope maker is an interesting story in any city. Mm -hmm. Well, he's our interesting rope maker. He is our interesting rope maker. And I do think as well that there are uh, legends in Nottingham that get spoken about a lot. So you get a lot of the cockle man and the xylophone man and people who, um, uh, the, I don't want to say it like, but like the same stories essentially, and they're the people that we know and we love and that make Nottingham Nottingham. Yeah. But I do think that there's loads more, and I'm learning about it as much as, um, yeah, I'm learning about it as I go along. So this kind of brings us on to you and your romance with Herbert Kilpin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're going there. Um, yeah. This is a massive story for you, like, because there's sort of, you made this film, you've got it out there, there's reaction to it, there's the story itself. So I know there's a lot of stuff that we're just not going to go into. But I, can, I kind of feel like the two things that interested me, are what is it like when you're making that kind of film, when it's literally... When it goes from being, this would be a good idea, to being something real that you're making. Boots, like mm. you, you know, you've got the tickets to go to Italy. You've got the um, camera in your hand. The batteries are charged and you're yeah. going to go out and actually do it. So when the, when the idea first came about the film, it wasn't um, something that I was really engaged with right from the beginning. It was really the, uh, the it was really the passion of Jared who... Um, He's head honcho here at the flight, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, he's the big man. He's the he's the, the boss, editor-in-chief, I think, um, and he sort of runs Extended Agency as well. So um, he he's, he's the boss, isn't he? And he says, I want to make a film about this guy. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know how long it's going to be, but I just know that the dates really work. I know that... Um, on the 100th anniversary since his death, it turns out that these uh, AC Milan is playing their rivals, Juventus, and it's going to be really good. And this guy's just written a book and it coincides with this. And he's like, right, we're going to do it. And it all lined up for him. And I was only, I was I'd just started at Left Lion then. So it was like, what? My dreams have come true. I'm making a documentary. But I was just, it was, I was part of the, Film it, the, the team, the uh, awesome team, really, that film, which is Raf and Naz, um, and we all went to Italy. And this is another thing, is I wasn't even there for the beginning of that. So I was in Sarajevo doing some filming for a charity. Um, I mean, this is another thing, really, but doing some filming for a charity that helped people suffering from PTSD from the Sar the war and the siege in Sarajevo. Wow. And I flew from there to Milan and joined them on the last couple of days. So just, just, I'm just going to casually drop in that I've been to Sarajevo <laughs> for a, a wonderful documentary that I was making for charity. It was, it was very yeah. intense. No, but, um, I mean, I mean, 
Oh, oh my God, we're going to have to take some couple of steps back here because you kind of went about this thing. It, it was almost adorable the way that you were like, he was like, we're going to make a documentary. Yeah. And you were like, oh, yeah, everything's <laughs> turning up. Everything's coming up, Georgie. <laughs> it bloody was. Well, like, it was like, yes. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit more about that. Like, because you aren't, I'm trying to p pick the words carefully here, but yeah. I don't think there is a way to do it. You aren't the biggest football fan in the world. No. No! So, how was that being like, oh, yeah, I'm making a documentary! Oh, football! About football! Yeah, uh, who? Did you, because uh, you knew about Herbert Kilpin, didn't you? Yeah, I, when I worked at Knox TV, I'd interviewed Robert Nieri when he first wrote his book. And um, so, he knew about the story and did a story about Herbert Kilpin at Knox TV, but um, I don't know, you've got to follow your passions, haven't you? And it wasn't something. I was thinking, actually, when I found out that Robert was going to Italy, I was like, that would be a cracking story for someone who who was into it, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I, I even told somebody, I think, who did football and TV um, at the time, I was like, look, you've got to get to Italy. <laughs> this guy's going and it'll be a really good Nottingham story. Um, so... And, and little did you know. <laughs> little did I know that that would be me. Um, so it, how, let's just like sit on that surprise for a minute, because yeah. at the same time, that comes with a lot of pressure. And you said you were kind of new here. Yeah, well, but we um, at the beginning it was just like a, like nobody had done this sort of film before, so it was just like a, let's just go and see what we get. It wasn't like we didn't sit down and storyboard it. We didn't look at how the, it, we we could do it. It was just like book the tickets and let's go. And we know we need to be here, here, and here. And when um, in the days that I wasn't there in Italy, they met some the the three people that I think carry the film, and that is. Luigi Enrico and Pierre Angelo and they Oh, sorry, just say those names again. Luigi LaRocca, Enrico and Pierre Angelo. Oh, what names? I know. Luigi's actual name as well as Luigi Mario. Like that's his his, his middle name is Mar Mario. The thing is that's awful because now he is a dreadful Italian like racist stereotype. <laughs> no, he's uh, he, he's great. But they um they sort of met them uh, in the days that I wasn't there and um and when I joined, it was like, look, this is what it's about. This is what the, the story is about. And these are the ways, this is how we're going to get across what an impact Herbert Kilpin had on, uh, on Italy, Italian football and therefore people's lives. This is, this is the brilliant thing about the story, because you just said it's impact on and you kind of froze for a second while you tried to wrap your head around the scale of this story. Yeah, yeah. And I could see you, the cogs whirring in your brain as you yeah, were trying to figure yeah, it out. Yeah. And it, it was a really humble beginnings of a guy in a lace factory in Nottingham. Yeah, like he he was the son of a butcher. I should know like all the facts like this because I've listened to them so many times in the film when I did the film. But in, he was one of like a lot of brothers and sisters, nine, 10, 11 brothers and sisters, like a lot of them. And he just kicked, he used to play football. Like he used to play for St. Andrew's Church, which, which was on the hill at the top of where he lived. And then he used to work in the lace um the lace market um, in, in the finishing building. So he didn't make lace. Lace in Nottingham was made like around the city centre and it was sent into the, into the lace market to be finished and then sent out. Um, so this is where all the big bosses went. Um, like the big people who were coming in from Italy and France and Spain and all these people to buy the lace. It was the Adams building that they'd come to. And this is where Herbert was as and a lad. That's the Adams building is now the new college or yeah. Nottingham College as it is now. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah one of those where they do learning. Yes. <laughs> An institution of education. I mean, the uh, facts are a little bit blurry. I mean, what we've worked out really is that he was sort of spotted by this guy, Bosio, um, 
and he saw something in him he, like what that he was doing really well um and was just like mate come over to Italy and work in the lace machines and I'm into football and you can you can come and play a little bit. I know you play here. You um, had me at football, he said. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it, exactly. And he went, and back then that journey, like here, like if you're going to work in Italy, I mean, when we went for three days to work in Italy, and but I feel like back then it would have been a, a, a massive deal and yeah. he didn't see his family again. And um, yeah, like, so that, I mean, that was his beginning, like going from Nottingham to, I mean, he first went to Turin, um, just to work and I just bet he thought he was just going to be like everyone else and he wasn't he was bloody bloody amazing I know right so okay so let's go back to you making this film yeah you you said something there that I think filmmakers don't often talk about which was great Mm. um they when they're talking about a film that they've made especially one that's been really successful they always have the tone of voice of someone who knows exactly what's going on they've planned everything out and everything went according to plan oh my gosh and I don't know anybody who's ever had a filming experience <laughs> that was like that. It's no. always, especially in documentaries where you are almost chasing the story in a very yeah. literal way. Yeah. What was it like when you got there? You're, you're in a foreign country. People yeah. are talking Italian. Well, it was all, it was all quite dictated by Robert Nieri because we went with Robert and Robert um, had his schedule of what he needed to do because that was his book launch. So then there was the opportunity um, to meet all these people that um, were connected in some way um, and just film what we could. But it, it was also, um, and he, Robert was, Robert was amazing actually. He served as a, um, a tour guide, a translator. Uh, he had um, excerpts of his book that he um, read like certain places. Um, so at the summit that um, really put it um, really helped us understand exactly what happened because we didn't really know much about the details of his life, especially when he moved to um, Milan because obviously it's a different... So he country, read out the it? chapters or the bits of the book that were about a certain place at the certain place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And, but, and that was another thing. At the time, we didn't know the role that Robert Nieri would play in the film. So we had him doing these pieces to cameras just to, in case it would work. Um, one of them we used in the film, but um, we'd, it turned out we didn't really need it because we had these three wonderful characters we didn't really need um, Robert Nieri as a vessel to, to, to carry the story. When you're making a documentary, is that a kind of process that makes a good documentary where you have a, you know what the point is, but mm. you don't necessarily know how it's going to come together. Now, I know emotionally it's mm. terrifying and mm. you feel like you're going to fail all the time, but it can sometimes it can produce magic that you never knew what you'd expect. Yeah, well, do you is that the kind of thing that, like you were talking about your love affair with documentaries? Is that the kind of thing you're kind of in love with? I don't know. The way I see it is, it's like a puzzle. It's like you've got all these pieces of a puzzle, and you've you've got to go find all the pieces, and you've got to collect them all from all these different places, and then you sit down at the office, and you're like, right, how the bloody hell are these going to go together? Like, where are my corner pieces? Where are my edges? How am I going to fill the middle? What is? How is it going to start? But that, I mean, that is just the case for the one that we, we made. I feel like if I was going to do an, another long one, I'd want to have um, a little bit more of a plan. Do you know what I mean? Just to stop the unexpected. Because as well, there was a lot. There's a lot of um, time spent maybe doing something that you wouldn't, that you knew you're not going to need, and that if you'd have just sat down at the beginning and worked out exactly who you had access to and um, done a bit more research, a bit more calling around, then 
you wouldn't have wasted that, that time. So I think that there is, I mean, to any extent, it is just grabbing those pieces and sticking them together. So is it, you were saying, like, obviously, it's always good to have a plan, but you described it as finding puzzle pieces and bringing them together. Yeah. There is a, a sense of mystery about it. Like, there was a, the way you described it, it felt like you didn't necessarily know what puzzle pieces you were going to get. No. And that is something I find fascinating between doing documentaries and theatre or, like, drama films or yeah. that kind of storytelling. There is a sense of adventure in the making of it because you don't know what that contributor or interview is going to say. You don't know what the shots are going to be. Yeah. Is that something that... That's very something I've picked up from my time as a video journalist. That idea of, like... I don't know, but they've said that there's something happening. I have a camera. Yeah. Wish me luck. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And I mean, that's what I hated about video, about when I was a video journalist was that unknown. Um, and you had to create two and a half minutes of TV at the end of the day. And you were like, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do it or what I'm going to do. But yeah. I know I'm going to get there. <laughs> um, and it, I guess it, it was a similar thing for, for us all as a team. Like at, at the beginning, it was just like... Let's just do it. Like, but I think there is something exciting about it and nerve-wracking and frustrating. And it um, also, we're, we're, as, a, as a team, everyone's got different ideas about how things are going to look. So um, when it comes to the edit and actually working out what the story is and what you're going to do, it was like we all had very different um, ideas. And um, it, it sounds like those puzzle pieces... They fit together, but not necessarily in the same way for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Everyone oh. had a different picture at the end of it. And, and as I said, even when we got back from Italy, we didn't know whether it was going to be a half an hour film or a, a 50 minute or a 45 minute or an hour or what. It was, um, um, it was just like, right, this is what we've got. What can we do? And, and so that's very interesting because were you, how involved were you in the editing? Because I was looking at the website and you're down as director. Yeah. Which so, is a bit, check, check out, <laughs> whoa, okay, which, which is awesome, yeah. but yeah. I mean, the, the, so the process, the, the, what we did, as I said, it was Jared's idea and Jared rallied the troops and got us all to Milan and um, Nat and Raf did the main, a lot of the filming um, at the beginning and then we all sort of chipped in towards the thing and then we got back and it was like, right, Georgie? <laughs> Yeah, what, what, what we got? We had a couple of meetings, like as a team, to work out um, what we all thought. But um, still, we had all we had was uh, some interviews in in Italy, um, Robert's piece to cameras, and um, so we had almost the colour. So we had all the things that were going to make it interesting and wonderful and warm, but we uh, we still didn't have the backbone as what what I called it and we didn't have a clear beginning middle and end so so that's where I came in and sort of worked out what we still needed so we needed to interview someone who was going to know all about um his, the history of Nottingham who could put because what what we needed to do was bring K Herbert Kilpin to life I had like three aims that I wrote scribbled down on a piece of paper one was to bring Herbert Kilpin to life one was to make sure everyone knew what a big deal AC Milan was and uh, I can't remember what the other one was. Probably something very important. Um, and so, so probably something very <laughs> important that we forgot to do, and now yeah. I, I'm glad I forgot. Yeah. So I had a. Um, so I mean that that was where I came in, and really where 
I think I came in as a director was directing the storyline and working out our beginning, middle and end and where and how much of a part the characters that we had were going to play, if if any. So, I mean, we flirted around with bringing in the three Italian men from the beginning and then telling their story. But we just didn't have there was a lot of things. And we also had played around with the idea of an actor playing Kilpin and having him in this really dreamy thing, which was on our first trailer. That's what we had. And I thought. Well, the way I look at things is to make it as true as possible and as true to the um, story and as real life as possible. Like, I, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't know where to go with directing characters or actors. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's really where I came in as a director. And I, edit, I mean, I edited it. That, that was, I edited the, the whole thing. So I sat down with all the things and so that was me doing it. There is two things I would like to talk about. One, like when you said... They, this is what they gave you. Something that our lovely listeners at home won't realise is that you put your arms out in a big <laughs> wide fashion, like, <laughs> there yeah. you go. It was Edit- like in four months, you've got, we've got to have a film at the end of this. <laughs> like, but, but like, editing is one of those amazing things where you put down one piece, you've got one piece, but when you've got two, you've got the two pieces on their own and then a, a magical third piece that's made by mixing the two together. And when you've got like, 40 minutes worth of interviews, there are a lot of pieces that can mix with each other in different ways. Mm. And as it's like, as you double the footage, you triple the amount of work you've got to do. So it just keeps rocketing up the amount of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Must've been fun. Do you know what? It was, it was so absorbing and so like, ah, like it felt like, I don't know. I don't know what it felt like. It was no, no, it on, was fun. <laughs> you, were, you were saying it was absorbing. And, yeah. and it's interesting because the other point I wanted to bring up, when you started talking about the editing, it's like I'm sitting in front of a very different Georgie. Because <laughs> all of a sudden you you can see it in your head. You've got this puzzle in front of you and you're... Yeah, sort of, like it, you... It's fascinating because the energy has just completely changed. And I can see that you are in that puzzle world where you're trying yeah. to build this story. It, it was like that. It was sort of, um, it, it's weird because with every part of an interview that you put down in that timeline, you're, you've made a decision about what the audience is going to see and what the audience is going to think. And, and and every single one of those decisions I didn't take very lightly. So it was, you'd put a bit in and it was like, and all I've got in my head is what is that person going to think of that bit? Is there, are they going to like that? Is it is it funny? Is it is it interesting? Is it useful? And you've, every part that you put in into it your is your choice to tell a story and it and it's weird and it's something that i never really understood before i had to do that before i had to edit the film i know that making a documentary isn't the most high stakes thing in the world it's not like you're going to die but you are talking as if it is that kind of like this is important to both me and the people around me and the world around me this is a big deal did that help was that something new to you do you is that were you expecting to feel that because i again it, it, it as you when we were talking about the rope man we were like that's amazing yeah. and there was excitement and it was almost yeah. sort of like oh wow there's, there's a novelty there that's amazing yeah. but now it's gone from oh isn't this interesting to i i have the responsibility of looking after herbert kilpin's story that's weird, isn't it? Because I kept thinking, I know that this is going to sound ridiculous, but I kept thinking, would, a, would this man, Herbert Kilpin, want me to make a film about him? Like, and what, 
what if he wasn't a nice person? Or what if he was a lovely person? And I'm not telling about it enough. I mean, I'm not sort of sharing those things enough. And th there was a lot of missing information as, as well. And a lot of things that we had to uh, assume would be the case because of the context that he was living in and stuff like that. So uh, that was like a big thing that sort of played on my mind. Not that I ever really shared it with anyone, but it was like, what do you even want a film? Like, we're, we're just making out like we're doing this really cool thing, like to keep this guy's memory alive. But what if he didn't care? What if he's like, just let me rest, please? <laughs> I don't want it. And who are you? Who <laughs> is this 25-year-old person who just thinks that they can comment on my life? And, yeah. and that's what it is, although my voice isn't in it at, at all. It is like, man, me and Jared were uh, uh, commenting on, uh, uh, presenting his life in a certain way, aren't we? Would you say that you were, you were as much making the history of him as you were... Sort of, in, sort of finding it. Yeah, well, it, it was more. It's more like drawing the the history that lots of different people knew, so that Robert Nieri knew, that Chris Weir knew, that John Foote knew, that these three men knew, because they knew a lot. La Rocca uh, exhumed Kilpin's bones. He like he 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 was re fully responsible from getting them from an unmarked cemetery in Milan to this um, to to the cemetery. Terry Monumental, the main cemetery, cemetery in in Milan, and he was responsible for that. So he had this real connection to him as well, to Herbert Kilpin, that um, was unlike anything else I've ever seen. And I think off camera as well, we when we asked him, uh, so I wasn't here again for this bit, but I know Jared sort of said, "What do you, what if you could say anything to Herbert Kilpin, what would it be?" And he said, "I'd say I held your bones." <laughs> imagine that imagine having held this person's bones and then we so we had the responsibility of making a, a film about this which that so many people cared a lot about so really it was drawing on all these people's uh experiences and knowledge about herbert kilpin and making it all one thing do you know what i mean bringing them all into the same place and trying to weave it so it all made sense you so that's it yeah, you sound like you've kind of, we started off talking about how you are not a football head, mm. but you seem genuinely fascinated with this bloke. I just, I love people more than anything. I love people. And I love that these guys were so happy that we um, were, were interested and wanted to shout about this person that, we, that they loved so much. And I am not into football. I grew up with three brothers and neither of them, none of, nobody cared about football. My dad didn't care about football. Nobody really in my family, apart from that one uncle cares about football. So for me, it was always, I thought it was a way. I just didn't really give it as, uh, I had it as uh, hooligans and pitched, uh, had it in my head as it, it was that sort of person, I guess. But it's so much more and there's so much history and love and passion that isn't just about winning matches but I think when uh, somebody is a real fan of a football club they look back at the history don't they and they look back at what makes it unique and it's really cool that for this massive team the thing that makes their team unique is this guy from Nottingham and, and that's what that's what it came down to and that's what I that's what I loved and that's why I think uh, that's why it comes across in in the film is because I wasn't into I'm not into football so I'm not going to get hung up on um, AC Milan and getting all those big footballers. That's where Jared comes in really well is because he is well into his football and knew the people the footbally people that we had to get in and that were important and he's in, 
incredible at doing that and getting people on board. But I think what I like and what I'm good at is making it connect to real people and therefore making the film apply um, and appeal to people who aren't just football fans. Do you feel that that's what you do generally here at Left Line? Find people and make other people connect with them? Yeah, I mean, maybe not um, specifically for Left Line, but I think that's what I... That's what I like about documentaries. And that's what I like about documentaries as opposed to um, for like quicker news stories. I get the impression that when, you, when you're in news and broadcast journalism, you have to run in, you have to grab what you need and you're off again. And um, it's something that I didn't like because I want to sit down and have a chat with people. I want to sit down, I want to find out what they love doing and what they hate and what they want, how they want to be represented. And I want, I don't, I didn't like the fast paced thing of news. So that's what I love about documentaries is you can sit down, have a cup of tea and they've got to like you. For you, for you to get a good interview, that if they don't like you, it's not going to be a good interview. So for, for you to get the best out of them, you have to be the best version of yourself. And that's what I like best, I think, about... And it's, again, like, I'm no expert. Like, I've, I've only made one feature-length documentary, and even then it wasn't... I wasn't even in it from the beginning, and it wasn't a passion, but I think getting to the end of it and having made the couple of short ones that I have, I just think... Then that's what I've learned. Do you know what I mean? I feel like I don't want to sit here and be like, yes, this is how you make documentaries. <laughs> you know what? I am exactly the same. Well, I, I mean, I don't want to talk about too much about me, but something I didn't, when I was at film school, you learn about the cameras and you're kind of like, you don't actually fall in love with the stories and the characters. You fall in love with directors and big name filmmakers. And you kind of try to emulate them and make really rubbish films doing it. But something that I did not know about journalism is that you can get a human connection yeah. that it's like magic. Mm. You can sit down in an interview with someone and they just come to life. Yeah. And you can share that with everyone and say, yeah. look, look at, look at how great this person is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that is the wonderful thing about what we do, isn't it? Is that you can, you can do that. But I think, to quote Spider-Man, with great power, great responsibility <laughs> um i think that you that makes you it sound like have you, have you made a documentary that killed someone because that's what it sounds like you were saying like yeah well i have secret powers and you know i think that when you've got a full interview that's maybe 40 minutes or an hour or two hours with somebody and you've got the power to pick what what people hear i just think that that responsibility is uh incredible it's a gift isn't it mm. it's an absolute gift well, we are running out of time, and I, I think I've, yeah. it's been an absolute gift talking to you. <laughs> but there's an, a very important thing that we haven't talked about. Yeah. You won two awards. Yeah. You, this, this, this story that we've been telling about, yeah. I was going to say, I, I wrote down the, what they are called. I don't need to because they are behind <laughs> me. In fact, hang on a minute. I've, I've, the cable's long enough. I'm going to go and read it off the actual thing. Stay there. <laughs> so we've got over here, we have the... From the, oh my day. I don't what? know if they're the same thing. The Federation Internationale Cinema Television Sportifs? Sport. I, <laughs> I, I thought that was a typo. I read the Creative Quarter article and thought, oh, they spelled sport wrong. That's a bit stupid. No, yeah. apparently that's Italian. Yeah, and you won, the, you won the WCP Media Services Award and the... I think that one's like a nomination. Uh, it's and like you've a, got the, 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 it's like a mentioned honours. Mentioned honour, yeah. 
uh, yeah, that was cool. We, um, we, what do you mean we, that was cool? You are an <laughs> international award-winning filmmaker you know now. We, we joked at the thing, we, uh, me and Jared joked a lot on that about uh, taking our own red carpet with us <laughs> <laughs> to like roll out at these awards that no one would care about. And then when we got there, there was like this really long red carpet and we were like, yes! <laughs> Um, but we, there, uh, we've entered it into a lot of other film festivals and we're waiting to find out about it, really. So crossing the fingers to don't, see... Okay, listen, don't change the subject. <laughs> we are not talking about the future. We are talking about right now, you are an international award-winning filmmaker. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Because, and this is the thing, that is a massive success. Yeah. You have a... You have a as a team, as a team. I mean, there's a lot of people who worked on this. And, and, and this is what it's coming down to. You yeah. are avoiding the main subject here, which is you are a success. <laughs> and and everything that's coming off of you right now says, no. Uh, do, you, do you know that? Do you know how I, at the beginning I was saying that my heart was beating twice as fast? Uh, it stopped and now it's gone again. <laughs> this is what I want to ask. Do you feel like a success? No, I don't think that you... I don't know any. Uh, I don't know what stage I'd have to get to make me feel like I was successful. Like I feel like I wouldn't even put on my LinkedIn bio that I was a an international award winning filmmaker until I've won a, won a couple more. Really. <laughs> so you're, you're not enough of a winner yet. <laughs> no. So, I just think I, what I, what I want to do is I want to um, I want to see a film through from start to finish, um, and do the research and plan it and I want to I want to do that and then I'd feel I think a little bit more like uh I've cracked it a little bit but I feel like I mean even now when I look back on videos that I shot or films that I've made in the in even last year I look back and I'm like oh my god that's cringe oh I could do it so much better now and I just feel like that restlessness you're never going to get rid of are you you're never going to feel yeah and especially in in what I do because video is constantly changing like there's uh, uh your equipment is constantly getting better um everything is getting better so you're I feel like there's always new things to do I, I feel very much like I'm at the start of whatever I'm going to do and I hope that um, whatever the next steps are, they'll be surrounded by this, uh, a similar team of people that are as awesome as the people that we worked on together with that with the Lord of Milan. And I feel I hope that I hope that people don't keep taking all the stories. <laughs> <laughs> right. So if anybody's listening, whatever you do, don't do anything. Yeah, Stay yeah. away. Georgie will take care of it. I just, I want to talk about all the things. Whenever I hear people doing a documentary, I'm like, oh, damn it, I could have done that. Why didn't I get there first? Uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to let you off the hook that easily. Yeah. So what do you feel like? Because I, I've seen it. I've talked to a lot of people. Whenever someone is a creative and they're successful, I don't think I'm successful yet. Why are you being so crazy? What, what do you mean I'm being crazy? <laughs> we are literally sitting in a room with two awards from Milan. When you before, let's go back to that Georgie who yeah. who Jared hadn't slapped down this big idea <laughs> and a big adventure in front of you. Yeah. What was what would she have thought success is? All I, what I wanted to do uh, before I started working at Left Line was make a film by the time I was 25. That was my thing. I was like, by the time I'm 25, I just want to know what it's like to make one film. And that was even like a short film, like a 10 minute film. 
And so I feel like I'm, I've got to where I wanted to be at this point in my life. So yes, successful up to this stage. Um, I need to go do some work, don't I? I need to, I probably should let you go. <laughs> Georgie, it's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> Thank you, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. You've been listening to My Kind of Weird. I've been Richard Minkley and my guest today was Georgie Scurfield. If you enjoy listening to people natter, you can find more interviews with the folk of Nottingham on iTunes, as well as on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and if you hang around the square long enough, I'm sure someone will bump into you. You know what it's like. Just to let you know, our theme song was Puzzle Pieces by Lee Rosevere. Thanks for listening. I've just got to change my chair because this is just um, making a couple of noises are, and I don't want to... You are ruining my interview. I'm sorry. You're ruining my interview. You're throwing the whole conversation into jeopardy. I'm sorry. I feel like it'll help in the long run, though, because it won't be clicking. How's that? Is that all right? Does it make a difference? I don't know. I kind of missed the clicking now. <laughs> yeah.